Episode 16 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about favorite ways to win board games. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Adam and Aaron join up for the first time on the podcast to discuss winning. We all took this gaming personality test a while back, and Adam and Aaron had the highest need-to-win scores, so they're a perfect fit for this topic. My need-to-win score was like 30%, so without further ado, I'll turn it over to Aaron and Adam talking about their favorite ways to win. Adam, do you like to win games? You know, I'm glad you asked that, Aaron. So my need-to-win is almost as high as yours yours is inordinately high on our uh board game player profiles yeah that we talk about um yours is at the top right but mine is very close to that now we have very different reasons for that and we will talk about that in a future episode about our board game player profiles when we have all four of the variant hex um are we are we a team are we some sort of dukes at, and duchesses? What is our titles within the very? I think we're a. Universe? I think we're a cast, but that's a not cast. But not with an e at the end. Like we're not like a, a medieval social structure. We're like for broken bones. <laughs> we are not. We are not for broken bones. <laughs> okay. So I, I know you don't want to go into whether or not you like to win based on the prospects of future episodes being spoiled. How do you like to win? I asked you a question. I'm going to answer it. The best way to win is with the big turn. What does a big turn look like to you, Aaron? Well, I mean, mean my favorite big turn is a Catan turn. Here's what it is. You play the largest army that gets you to eight points. Then you steal a resource, and that allows you to build a road that allows you to steal the longest road to get you to 10 points in one turn. Where there's like, And it's not even like a. it was definitely going to work at, at the beginning. You had to steal the wood or the clay, but you knew who was likely to have wood or clay, and you got the thing. Normally, people don't expect you to score four points in a turn in Catan, and you know it's coming. Yeah, that is super good, and you definitely have done that. I think you've done that directly to me and my face. Very fun. Yeah, and there are, I think there are only certain games you can do. Like, not every game you can do a big turn on. I think Dominion is a game you could do a big turn on, right? Like, oh, you could sure. end up buying, I mean, three provinces sounds... I mean, that's tough. I'm sure one of us has done it at some point in time. Definitely, like, a, a double province, or, like, you buy out two different piles in a turn and then all of a sudden it ends really abruptly right and i would say that more than a big turn for me an abrupt ending is a fun way to finish a game right like everyone's expecting two three more turns and then all of a sudden you're like oh the game's done and sometimes that's a big turn i guess the way i look at it that could also be the same thing well, I think in Dominion, you might be able to get that big turn. Buying two or three provinces is a tough task, but you might be able to kind of get that, not so much a big turn, but the unexpected end by, you know, emptying a stack when someone didn't expect you to have two or three buys. So you might buy a card, you know, two or three cards that cost three or four, empty the stack, boom, game done. Well, yeah, and I think if we bought, that's, I think someone's bought three provinces at some point where it's like, uh-oh, and then all of a sudden, everyone's just oh, you're like oh. adding up your points for fun, yeah. not for any sort of winning purpose, right? Like if you someone know. does that, you're just adding up your points out of respect. Yeah, the big turn is, I guess, like games like Dice Forge and stuff. You can have like buy a ten point card and then buy the twenty six point card, like, and I know it's not quite the same because it doesn't change the pace of the game as far as when it ends. Right. But thirty six points is tremendous in that game. And the nice thing about Dice Forge is you have those big turns towards the end of the game, and it not only puts points in your pocket, but you could be taking Taking the last um, the last availability of big points from other people. It's a really good point. Yeah, like right, restricting resources and getting points for you, and then it kind of feels like you're almost doubling your points in that moment. It is a really 
it's a good feeling, but you can't really say too much because then, you know, no one wants to be that person at the table. It's like, oh, and you can't buy it, right? Like, you can't say that, but, like, you just let that, you just let that sit in your heart for a little bit. Another really fun way to win, is, and this isn't a thing that happens a lot in our game group because we're often learning games together. But that's like if you play a game against someone who, who like proclaims to be great at that game, but it's your first or second time or you're still expected to be kind of a, a, a new player in that game and then you bust out a win against someone, especially if that person has been a little braggy towards you about their skills, that's a pretty fun way to win a game. Oh, shutting down someone arrogant that's coming in or maybe like trying to tell you how to play the game or you're playing it wrong, it feels so good. Right? Like, it's just the best. Oh. And, and, you know, I tend to remember rules incredibly well. So if, if someone's teaching me a game, but I've also read the rule book because I, you know, I, wanna, I knew what I was going to do the next day. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be prepared and whatever. I love winning on a rules clarification in, like, the last round that catches the teacher off guard because they didn't understand the rule book. Oh, it's so good. Well, now we've reached a fork in the road because I don't know that I love that as my, like, go-to win strategy. It feels a little technical, but... I will, I will see you and I will raise you. The arrogant person, like, w- winning against them is great, but there is nothing better than winning against someone cheating at the game. Oh, it, it's, it's the absolute best way to win. I often will not call out someone who's cheating at a game if I know they're intentionally cheating because it's not really worth my time, but I will try very hard to win and then likely never play with them again. Correct. I'm the same way. I also would like to believe that that person will hopefully take that loss as a humbling moment and maybe an opportunity to correct their ways because I think that cheating is just, there's there's just no reason for it in games. Like, we're all there to have fun and we're all there to, with this agreed set of rules like we do with society, like we do in this game. And I would hope that humbling loss is what I like to call it, right? Like, I think you and I have both issued those over the years. Occasionally, a humbling loss, we don't need to say anything at that point. Yeah, but just... maybe that their life is going down a different trajectory after that, hopefully. Also, full disclaimer, if an 8-year-old cheats, I don't not play with them in the future. I just kind of work with them about how cheating is stupid. Yeah, that's a little different, though. I think that's yeah. a, But, you know, I think but that a, is a, grown person a good segue to kind of a different topic. You know, ways where, like, we're talking about, like, these awesome ways to win, but, like, ways to win where it's, like, not the same, right? Like, I think wins are different. And I think, not necessarily children directly, but, like, inexperienced players. If you played a game a hundred times and someone comes in, whether it's a kid or an adult, but they're just like, hey, I'm, this is my first time playing a board game since I played Risk in seventh grade. And you're like, well, sure, I guess I could beat you at this game, but, like, it's not... It's not a satisfying victory in the way we're talking about the other victories. There is a space for a satisfying victory there. And so, so I, I've met a few people in my life where I'll, they'll ask me, like, what my, they'll, here I play a lot of board games, and they'll say to me, like, oh, what's your, what's your favorite board game? And I'll tell them usually, like, well, it's hard to say because I played so many, but, you know, Catan was, like, the original game that I got into. And they're like, oh, oh, I bet I could beat you at Catan, but I don't play very much, but I bet I could beat you. And I'm like, oh, you know, you probably couldn't, but that's really fun. We should play some time. And then, like, they'll start, like, incessantly trash-talking about how they're going to crush me at Catan, having only played like three times themselves. I'm not satisfied if I beat them. Honestly, I'm not. Unless I've beaten them 10 to 3 to 3 to 2 or something like that. Like, I, I'm going to need to dominate in order to feel good about it. But, because, you know... Be- you are a domination player, though. But you're them- also a person who likes to win 
by a low margin as well. Yeah, I, I right? feel like honestly, winning by a huge margin is almost as re- is just as rewarding as winning by one, especially if you know like. And I think the low margin isn't as cool in board games because in order to be a better board game companion to the four people I play games with the most often, I don't count score during a lot of games anymore. So I don't know. Like, usually if I win by one, it's like a relief at this point because I'm not counting the points during the game. When I used to count points more vigorously and would would know, like, with a pretty high degree of certainty, oh, I won this by one point, then I'd be more into the close win. But now I'm just stressed until we count the points. Yeah, and I also like winning by a low margin, typically, because I think that I like good gameplay. It's the same reason, I guess, I would say I watch the slam dunk competition almost every year. Like, I like... Just people doing awesome things at their best. I don't watch every basketball game. I watch very few sports games in general. But, like, I like watching highlight reels and, like, really awesome things. And so I like winning by a low margin when I feel like, hey, everyone's playing awesome and at their best. And then I manage to somehow win at that level. Like, that feels really good. I absolutely love winning a game where I think both people competed. I think you and I play a fair amount of chess together, and we're at the point now where one of us will blunder often enough that the other person just kind of has an easy win after that happens. But when we have a game that's kind of like down to the wire, neither one of us have really made a mistake, it's really bumming to lose those games and really rewarding to win those games. I agree. And I think you are you and I are at the point where we always agree on the good games. Like, there's oh, yeah. never a yeah. question on the good games. And you know what? That's... Let's pause at that point, Aaron, because honestly, I think that's a sweet spot for a gaming group, right? When, like, I feel like everyone agrees on what a good game is. Yeah. And I think that's what it's honestly all about, right? Like, if you can recognize the good game, I don't care if I lose to you, whether it's chess, whether it's another game, and we both just play awesome. And it's close. At the very end, if you do something awesome, I couldn't be happier for you. I love you, and I want you to do well in life. And that's awesome for you to have that moment. And I think the same is true the other way around on that, though maybe with a little bit less for you. Well, I mean, I think your need to win is super high. I, I think as I get older, it's a little bit better, but a little bit is the key part of that statement. Like, it's not, <laughs> I, I still would rather win those close games. But I think there's definitely times where, like, you'll do a thing in a game and I'll be like, oh, that's really good. I'm going to need to, like, kick it into gear. And sometimes that's actually when I get in trouble with Kelly because Kelly doesn't like when I go to that hyper-competitive space, especially if we're, like, playing a new game and I see that you've done something creative or something that, like, takes advantage of a mechanic of the game, then I get super competitive. And then that's when you'll kind of see me, like, really kind of jump into a a high-competitive gear. And then whoever wins that game is typically really fun for me as long as I haven't made Kelly to a upset in the process it's a great point actually Aaron you made just now where so you to give a little background about how we normally play games right like you will typically see the most linear path to victory right like that's just that's in your wheelhouse yeah like how did the game maker intend us to play this game well right and so I typically then in order to win against you because I'm not I I recognize the fact that I'm not going to be as inherently good at finding the perfect shortest path, I will typically try to find the path that will either disrupt that path or some oddball path where it's like, you know, yeah, two roll three times in a row in Catan, I'm going to beat you. 
even if it's not the statistical most likely, it's going to be the way that I can beat you if it does happen. Well, I think it's more effective in social interaction, like in interaction games. I think that's where your kind of play style against me shines, where, you know, I am kind of playing this vanilla version of the game. Then you're going to do something and I'm going to have to, con- like, because it's an interaction game, I'm going to have to contend with whatever you're doing. Then it kind of gets me out of the mold. And sometimes I do really awesome things in response to the things you're doing. And then sometimes it's like, oh, I just lost. You're right. And then that's where, you know, a certain amount of luck is in every game. Those make for great games between us i feel like when we're both like on fire and just trying to like do the thing we're doing and i don't know what that's called except for do the thing we're doing right like we both have our avenues we play and just rocking it knocking out of the park yeah and then i think we wanted to spend some time talking about ways we don't like to win but i think i want to go with one uh i think we have two actually final ones one from me and, and one from you the surprise victory is what i is is a thing that i really like so a lot of times that'll come in the form of like an unlikely comeback. But my favorite thing is when I know that I'm going to win, but nobody else does. And uh, typically that means that I'm very quiet during the game, but I'm quiet a lot during games. It's a super rewarding way to win, though I do acknowledge it's a little jerky. Well, now we're going to have to unpack this a little, aren't we, Aaron? So there's also <laughs> this thing where respectfully Aaron will say, oh, gosh, I'm in fourth place. Why would you guys do X, Y, Z or I'm in fourth place. This game is so frustrating. Knowing the next turn, he's <laughs> going to get 27 points and go up to first place. And we all now know the illusion, right? We've been on the David Copperfield apprentice team you, for a decade now. We know the trick. You've seen inside point. the saw box. Absolutely. We know what's going on at this point. So it doesn't really quite work as well. And that's not quite the same. I feel like it's like a respectfully, I view a surprise victory as where like I legitimately didn't know that I was winning at any point. And then we add up some sort of factor at the end, right? Like, oh, I guess I forgot about XYZ or we're learning a new game. Which is usually the case with new games more than experienced games, right? Right, Like, oh, I forgot we add up the number of chancellors in the castle or whatever it is. And then it's like, oh, I did win, and I really didn't think I was going to. Turns out a special thing's happen when you get three soldiers. Oh, I didn't even know I was going to win. <laughs> right. Like, I think that is kind of on more of my level. I think for you, maybe it's like, oh, this feigned, oh, no, I'm in last place, but not at all because I'm going to win next turn. Right, right. I try to do that less and less because I know that it is like super obnoxious, but I feel like that's like a subconscious, not subconscious, but like I, I feel like it's a, a social manipulation tactic that comes too easy to me. I, I'll tell a, a very quick story. I'll recall one time I was, I, I think you were there. Uh, I was playing, I think oh, you were there. I told I you about be? it. I don't think you were there, but we told you about it. Yeah, we were playing Catan with people uh, who were friends of friends and they were good Catan players. Like it was a competitive game about three or four turns in somebody just wrecked my plan. And I, I basically wasn't going to be able to win because they, they just put us, they just beat me to a settlement place. And I kind of like was kind of wearing down the dude sitting on my right. And I was like, I, I can't believe they did that. They should have gone the other way. I'm not as strong as the other players. My plan was even subpar because of my placement. Like this was never going to work. Now I'm probably only going to score like three points. He made a trade with me that got me back in the game that he should never have made with me, and I came back and won the game. And he just looked at me at the end of the game, shook my hand, and said, never again. Yep. We've all had that. We call that the Aaron Awakening moment, (laughs) uh, which is honestly what's led into what we lovingly call the kick the puppy moment, where Aaron whacked like an injured puppy, where it's like, oh, no, I'm in last place. You can't 
you can't be you can't pick on me and the answer is no you absolutely pick on him you continue <laughs> to just make Aaron lose more and more and more or he will come back and win historically that is statistical and factual so the the constant barrage against Aaron is valid and it is a respect to the way you play games yeah, and, and and also I feel like I should, you know, maybe attempt to take some of the social manipulation tactics that are less uh, savory out of my repertoire. And that's uh, you know, we're all we're all growing and changing and learning and stuff like that. But until then, continue to kick the puppy. I think the kick the puppy leads to maybe your final favorite way to win games, which is um I believe that it is an alliterative title with my name in it if that rings a bell. The angry Aaron is what I call and again this is a sign of respect and to anybody listening that has not played with Aaron. Uh you know, I love this guy and I play games with him for what Gosh, a long time. A now. long time. I mean, it started really up. back when we were playing euchre, but I don't know if that counts in the in the in the zeitgeist of what we're doing but like, now. So, so long ago, and uh, but like I, you know, when Aaron is angry at the end of the game, there is a certain swelling of pride because not because I want him to actually be angry, but because like that's just a reaction to a well played game that is somewhat that's common enough where. If it occurs, it feels really good. Yeah. And, Where and I, you're I, frustrated. I, I earn it. Like, you guys shouldn't think that they're being mean to me. Like, I earn it, and they should be happy when they've made me angry. For sure. Like, yeah, the angry Aaron is very good. The best compliment Aaron can ever give you is, I'm never playing this game again. Honestly, <laughs> it, that is the single best compliment you can receive from Aaron when you play a game with him the first time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a couple games recently. I forget, like... Res Arcana, but I've played Res Arcana in the meantime. It's not Res Arcana. It's that stupid game with the, the color-changing barrels where the stupid market changes the entire time. I can't stand yeah, that. Market. Yeah. That game, oh, I don't even want to – like there's – you know, the, the, the title of this podcast is Best Ways to Win Game. There's no best way to win that game because I will have had to play it. Yeah, that's fair. I've talked before about how I can't win Puerto Rico to save my life though either. Oh, so like – yeah. I, we all just have those kryptonite you know like kryptonite games would be a pretty fun like top top three top five to come up with like oh. games you just can't win to save I, your life i've got some i'm gonna save them for that episode that sounds good yeah we'll definitely do that in a future episode but Let's, yeah an angry aaron is is the biggest compliment to to a game win oh yeah and i obviously can't stand it Let's switch into like uh, let, let's kind of hit the opposite of the the title uh, here and talk about like ways that aren't fun to win because I think that's also kind of an interesting an interesting topic we can spend a little time on and I think the we'll just not bury the lead and go with the absolute worst way to win which is having someone to let you win yes and now I think you and I agree on that as a blanket statement now it gets a little more complicated the more we're going to talk about this right like someone simply letting you win doesn't ever feel good but there are game scenarios where maybe one person doesn't have a chance to win or right. one person's in a position basically to choose who wins right we play right. games like that for sure where yeah, yeah, yeah. i pick a or b if i pick a aaron wins if i pick b another member of the varian hex crew wins and of course i'm picking b, b every 175 percent <laughs> of the time every single time aaron losing is the best way to win but i even if i lose aaron losing is still the best way to lose which is a different episode but yeah that that's that's tough right like there are games and and a game that you love that i increasingly don't like is bus 
oh, where yeah. the action's on that I feel like at some point, if you're not winning, lend themselves to where I can't win this game, but I can choose who wins this game. Bus is a game that will that will do that. I think Catan is actually a game that will do that. I think I think you can you can wreak some havoc from the back in Catan. Fair. That's a good point. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, if you do bad trades or you do yep. specific trades on that, like where, hey, I'm not going to. And, and, and what I will, I like to clarify this by saying staying alive is a way to try to win. Right. Right. Absolutely. And I think in Catan it's different, right? Then Bus feels less like that. But Catan is like, yeah, maybe I let this person take the longest road from Aaron so that I can live another turn to try to win is a little different. Right. And I think like. The first game fight I ever had with Kelly, it was back when we were dating. I was playing Monopoly against somebody, and I basically was trying to talk them in to make a trade that would guarantee me to win. And I was trying to tell them that it would give them some chance at victory, though their chance of victory was already gone. Right, like a payday loan is what you're saying, Aaron. I mean, I was really a payday lender in the thing, and I think... (laughs) I think if you find yourself in a position where you can control the outcome of the game, like essentially you're playing a game, you got to make a decision and and choose, but it is a frustrating way. If you're like hardcore competing with the person who's going to finish first or second, and then someone else like just gives you the win, it just, it takes a little of the reward out, but sometimes it's unavoidable. And there's times where honestly, like I, I, as I've gotten also older, Aaron, um, as time will do, you know, it used to always bother me when like couples, and I play with the public more than you would right. statistically, but like a couple be like, Oh, I'll let my girlfriend do X, Y, Z, or I'll help her out or help my boyfriend. Out. And it's like, at the time I was like, Oh, that's really frustrating. Like everyone should be playing equally. And as though that's not the case, but then right. now as you get older, you're like, I don't know, maybe, you know, help your love prosper more than this stupid game we're playing yeah i mean i mean if you're playing a game with me and kelly you should know that unless i'm in a bad mood i'm just not attacking kelly and so you're gonna have to plan around that right but i think that's like increasingly a good thing to do and i think it took you and i longer than maybe the average bear to figure that out you know like i mean i attack kelly a lot so don't don't y'all think that this has been a long-standing thing i'm just coming around but yeah i think that's the thing where i see it now i'm like oh that's super cute and who cares who wins or loses if someone wins because someone loves them a whole bunch, boy, didn't they win twice? They won. They won. They won twice. Absolutely. You know what? Oh, that's really good. They won twice. When you are playing with with a couple, sometimes you might get an inexperienced player, which is kind of another way that we we talked about. That's not a very fun way to win, which is winning against inexperienced people. With the obvious caveat that if they bragged about how they were going to beat you anyway, it is still rewarding to beat them. I feel like I'm pretty good with a group of inex- inexperienced players if I know if they are like because I care less than you about winning, but I will also end up winning. Yeah. I'm obviously obnoxious because I always start while trying to, I try to like, I'm like, okay, what I'm going to do in this game is I'm going to like be really focused on helping everyone develop a strategy. I'm going to give advice, but I'm not going to try to give too much advice. And then I give three pieces of good advice at the beginning of the game. And then I don't say anything else while I proceed to victory. And it's not like I'm trying, but it's just, you know, my little like need to win kicks in. I pick up a strategy and I'm like, oh, now I can't give them advice because it will thwart my strategy. <laughs> Right. And in fact, if I if I can say one of my least favorite ways to play a game, which is a little different of a thing, but like you will make recommendations to a person where it's like, well, you could do this thing knowing that it's like the thing you want them to do. I don't think that's going to help you win. I mean, I feel like especially early in the game, I'm making genuine recommendations that I think that they should do. I don't know that I have self-interest a lot at the beginning of the game when I'm doing that. 
I know that there's times where then all of a sudden you're like on your turn, you're like, oh, look, I can do this thing. I mean, and you set this up perfectly. And maybe it's magic or maybe it's Aaron. I mean, I, I, I mean, we'll let the jury, we'll let the jury decide. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the ways that I win a lot, which is not a very fun way to win, especially because of how your game group makes you feel. And because, you know, you feel like a jerk. I, I hate winning after having proclaimed a sure loss. Yeah. And you do that a lot on that yeah so. it's and it, it, it's kind of gr- it's kind of gross and, and like i do it like you know i just need to win so much that i'll do a thing where like i project like i'll start off the game in my mind at like minus 10 points so like during the game i genuinely believe that i'm losing because i've like set myself back 10 points I think, like, it's not completely subconscious, but it's, like, not always within my awareness. So to the point where I proclaim my sure loss at the, during the middle of the game, I, I sometimes genuinely believe that. And then I say it, and then we count the points at the end. It's like, oh, oh, in fact, yeah, I did score 27 points on the second to last turn and 30 on the last turn. And you know what? In fact, I did win. Oh, oh it turns out you were winning the whole time. Okay. All right. Yeah, which I I will say over the years I have come to believe that you do at sometimes genuinely believe you're losing, which changes it, right? Like right. it's not just a straight up manipulation tactic. However, I don't know to the <laughs> internet verse. Maybe that's not the best practice to continue. It takes a very specific group of gamers to to continue with this process. Definitely playing with the public if that's what you're doing. I would not recommend that as the go to. I don't know it's going to get you a lot of repeat games, but I know you, Aaron, again, like, I, I do believe that's true sometimes, and we do navigate around it. I, I mean, I think there's definitely times where I'm strategically pinning myself as the underdog in a game. Like, that. I mean, I can't say that I don't do that. I can't say that I don't call out people who are scoring high points when I know I've got points coming. But, like, there are times when I genuinely am like, oh, I think I'm losing, and I get frustrated and sad on account of losing, and then I get sad and grumpy, and then I've been sad and grumpy, and then you know what's really not cool is when you're sad and grumpy and then everyone else has to witness your sad and grumpiness and then they don't even get the pleasure of having beaten you. That is true. Yeah, it definitely is uh, an interesting end of the game scenario, right? When it's kind of like there's been maybe, I don't want to call it a fit throne. What would you like to phrase that, Aaron? Uh, you know what? I don't think we need to give it a name. Uh, okay. <laughs> what, I, what I think we need to do is we need to talk about how crappy it is to win when you've unintentionally broken a rule during the game. That's fair. That's fair. And I, I will say, let's let's turn that frown upside down and maybe that negative into a positive where if you're playing with a group of your friends and if you're lucky enough to have a group of close friends that you've had for uh, more, you know, over half your life and you're playing games with them, whether you win or lose, you've won. And if you're spending, whether it's a Saturday, whether it's an evening, whether it's online, whether it's in person with a group of people that you care about and they care about you, at the end of the day, you have won. You've won 100 times over. And I think that is the most important takeaway. And that is my single favorite way of winning, which is irrelevant of the points at the end of a board game, but spending time with Aaron and Kelly and Jason the members of this group is my single favorite win every single time, which is every time I play with them. Thank you so much for listening to episode 16 of Board Games with Variant Hex. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Twitch, all at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com. And you can email us at podcast at variant What is your favorite way to win a board game? 
Does it bother you when someone lets you win? Let us know. Send us an email. It's free. The next episode will be about games on location. Unless you're listening to this in reverse, in that case, you'll hear our holiday game guide picks next. Either way, it'll be me and Adam shooting the breeze and talking about games. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. <laughs>